Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. Here to amplify diverse voices in media, I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is listed everywhere, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and also the website abouttoreview.com, which is where you can find full links to the show notes and guests. If you want to support the show, you can do that from the website abouttoreview.com and also from the support link down below if you want to send a dollar via PayPal. That would be fantastic. Joining me on this week's episode, speaking of guests, returning uh, two times in a row is Matt Oaks from Silver Screen Riot. John, uh, so confession, uh, ever since last night, I've been working on my Walking Phoenix Joker laugh. Is this a good place to debut it? Uh, I cannot think of a better place. And so... (laughs) I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get this right. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a. <laughs> wow. That, yeah. So I, I've been working on it. It's driving Morgan, my wife, mm-hmm. absolutely crazy. She hates it. The whole drive home, I was like, I kept doing that, and she's like, "Is this gonna be a thing now?" Because <laughs> like that's that's one of my uh, my takeaways when I see movies and people have weird laughs. I like mm. to kind of impersonate their laugh for a while and with how like, many horror films you see there are a lot there's of weird a lot laughs. i think the the other like most distinctive one and i'm I, I probably can't do it right now but the jonah hill um jonah hill's laugh from uh that war movie with him and miles teller war, war dogs i think which oh, is another wow. isn't that todd phillips as well that might be i think it was todd <laughs> phillips like todd phillips like uh has kind of cornered this market of weirdo laughs <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm like I'm 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 struggling to to remember exactly what it was, but it's it's a very weird laugh. Uh, he did not. Oh yeah, he he did direct. He did. Yeah, yeah. I, I was so looking to producer first. Todd yes. Phillips yeah. is uh, directed. He's the weird laugh guy. 2016. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Maybe that is what got him thinking about Joker in the first place. People were like, "Whoa, mm. you did a really weird laugh with this uh, <laughs> Jonah Jonah Hill character. Yeah, you should do a Joker movie." I mean, with how the executives at DC. <laughs> put things together yeah that probably is all yeah i know that's like all it yeah you need that and like a cocktail napkin that says like uh maybe maybe batman again uh, like yeah yeah, yeah okay that, yeah, sure. that'll that'll do todd phillips that plays yeah uh yeah so do new batman <laughs> this batman pick one mad batman this uh, batman kill so crazy uh all right so on this week's episode we are going to be talking about right off the top of the bat uh joker because we just saw it the other night. Actually, not the other night. Last night. Yeah. Uh, we are also going to be talking about two kind of smaller movies that had smaller releases that, you know, you might be able to see at your maybe art house cinema. Online. <laughs> uh, definitely. Oh yeah. Yeah, I online. mean, there's like the... I, I think that both of them are having at least like some kind of... Uh, streaming. Streaming okay. component, um, like on demand kind of thing. Sweet. Probably will like show up at like... In, on Hulu or within a wherever. A few within weeks. The, yeah, exactly. A few weeks <laughs> gotcha. later. Yeah. So those two other movies are going to be Harpoon and First Love. So before we get to all of the reviews on this week's episode, we'll go to the original theme song created by Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. To get ourselves a treat. Yeah. Let's all go to 
So this week, uh, as you dear listeners might have noticed, uh, the the timber of my voice is a little bit different, a little bit rougher uh, this week. It's like a new sexy rasp. Thing. Oh, <laughs> I mean that that's what happens when you work in radio and yeah. podcasting for a while. Like your voice just gets deeper and deeper and lower. What is and funny is like and... with the radio professionals that. You and I both know, and then others. Such distinct radio <laughs> voices. And it never turns off. No. And I think, because I think Everywhere once you put in. you go, <laughs> you have to talk in this very overly enunciated kind of way. And it is something where we, I will hear it sometimes 20 feet behind me. Oh, yeah. It sounds like an affectation. But Almost, yeah. I mean, I think that, like, it's kind of, uh, it's like. If you wear that voice out so often, it just kind of takes over. Like it, e- it eats the host and like becomes the real you. Yeah, I mean, especially when you put in decades yeah. of radio work and that yeah. is your voice. So I always I found that always fascinating. Uh, but yeah, so my voice is a little bit different this week, so uh, we will be working through that. All right, so first movie, which is definitely one of the most talked about movies. Yep, of the late summer season every single person has an opinion about this yeah. movie and uh only like no five. one no one's seen it <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> yeah. only five percent of people have yes. seen it yeah if that um which is kind of crazy just the controversy stirring around this movie that no one has seen it is one of those interesting cases where what we saw recently with the hunt where yeah. you get controversy about a movie for those wondering i think i talked about an episode but the Hunt was this movie, is this movie, yeah. about people still who- exists. It still exists, we just might never see it. Where people get uh, captured and basically becomes the greatest game, or the most dangerous game. Exactly. Where humans are hunted for sport. Except there's there's kind of like this mega uh, tilt to the whole thing, and so a bunch of Republicans got mad because they thought that uh, it was about- super libs uh, mm-hmm. hunting down MAGA hats. Yeah. Um, but that's just a trailer. Right. You have to assume that the movie, like, uh, that doesn't happen. Like, yeah. uh, so we see it. We saw it with uh, that, where the trailer got so many people riled up and yes. so many controversies. Turns out the movie got canned. Yeah. And it po- got pulled from distributorship. No which one's seen it. Really, it it bothers me as a content creator. It's censorship. It absolutely yeah. is. And so it is like, again, people got so mad of a trailer where this was not a movie that played at the festival circuit for six months. And you had, again, that 5% of people who get the opportunity to see these things early. No, it was just a trailer. No. got pulled. So this movie was Joker had that same type of energy from a year ago. Right. Ever since it's been announced, basically, yeah. people have been uh, waiting with bated breath to have an opinion about this movie. Mm-hmm. And boy, do they. Yes. Uh, so this is the Todd Phillips directed Joaquin Phoenix starring Joker. Uh, the tone and setting for this movie, if people are wondering, because I had a lot of people ask me about it beforehand and then after when they knew I had seen it, how does it connect and blah, blah. What people need to remember, first of all, every film is its own film. DC, in particular, has no idea what they are doing. Yeah. Do not look Very for connective tissue in any of the DC properties, because if it is there, it is so tangential and so 
minuscule, it is not really worth noticing. Well, and that's one of the things that's so that I I liked so much about this is that it does feel like a single entry um, into this universe that 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 does not waste its time um, trying to set up future installments or going off on B plots to talk about cyborgs football days, right? Or um, really even connecting all that much to Batman. Um, this is this is this is a movie that is totally untethered from anything that we've really seen um in the history of former batman movies as Mm -hmm. well as what they're currently doing with the dceu (laughs) which at this point is kind of just like throwing darts at a map and being like okay we're going here now yeah with the upcoming birds of prey movie which the trailer that dropped the other day looks nuts has me totally on board like it just because it looks all of this time that that we have talked about these movies and Ultimately, you know, people will always have an opinion, Marvel versus DC films, blah, 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 and all of those things. The difference is DC, I kind of thought had learned their lesson from the dark, gritty, you know, drama pieces where when they did Shazam, it was kind of trying to pivot. Yeah. With Wonder Woman 1984, it looks like it is going to be another hard pivot with Birds of Prey, hard pivot. And Aquaman. Then we, yeah, Aquaman for yeah. sure. And then we get this Joker movie, which is a complete return to form of dark, gritty drama that does not connect to anything. No, and I think that you you hit an important point, which is that like just thematically, mm-hmm. this is totally playing in a different sandbox as uh, all yeah. the other things that DC is doing right now. Because even though they have scrambled and... Um, are really have really struggled to make that interconnected universe. At least it seems like they've kind of landed on um, some kind of overarching brand where they're, in a sense, mimicking the success of Marvel and kind of lightening the tone and going for a more silly, um, exaggerated mm-hmm. joke comic book world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but this. This goes entirely in the other direction. Yeah. This is this is the least um, traditional comic book movie, maybe that has graced the uh, the silver screens, or at least in in the super, least, in the superhero genre. I yeah, would say yes, but like especially for a movie that has this much attention on it, like yeah. Um, and I think for good reason. Uh, the the creators Todd Phillips and um, you know Martin Scorsese was originally a producer mm-hmm. of this. Um, this film for a long time has been like name checking its uh, reference points as like you know the movies that Scorsese was making in the seventies, right. things like Taxi Driver and and Kings of Comedy, as well as the movies mm-hmm. of like Cindy Lumet. Um, and it very much takes on this. This style of filmmaking that was um, popularized in the in the late seventies and early eighties, where you're taking um, characters that, by and large, are 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 not are basically the furthest things from your like traditional heroes, and doing yeah. like really deep dive character studies into them. And yeah. I think that that's that's very much like the approach of mm-hmm. of this movie about uh, a Batman uh, arch villain. Yes, 
my my issues with this. So I mean, I guess before we go into the issues, some of the some of the highlights. The my boy Joaquin. I'm Joaquin, I mean, oh. he put in 180%. And he lost 180 pounds. <laughs> Just about. He's a stick. He is grotesquely skinny. Yeah. And he did that, again, for his own reasons to really get into that. I think, like, um, the one of the things that was so striking to me about, like, his physical transformation is, like... Um, his left shoulder blade just oh my god dude I, I i was writing in my review how like it seems like the physicality and like the way he moves he seems like a creature that like is like trying to like pop out of like an egg mm-hmm. and then he's like he like kind of moves like he's a marionette yeah. like trying to figure out how to take control of himself um and just to like, be a real boy <laughs> yeah and just from like a a, a, a physical performance aspect like God, there's just there's there's just so much you could watch this in black and white and kind of understand the journey of this guy um, yep. because that's how that's how much um, physicality like command of the physical performance that that Joaquin Phoenix has. And I, that part I, I absolutely agree with like Joaquin as a as a physical force in this movie is pretty tremendous to watch. It is so disturbing to watch. And that was his whole point. Yeah. You do not get yourself down to that type of weight and body physique for nothing. Well, and it's funny because like I feel like the the conversation for years at this point about playing the Joker has always been like that there's like this kind of uh like in circle tribe where like, you know, Jack Nicholson like pulls Heath Ledger aside and he says, like, you know, be careful taking on this role. Like mm-hmm. it's a lot to bear. And then obviously Heath Ledger kind of biting the bullet after this, in part due to um yeah. the the preparation that that he put into this and like the and he, that he was never able to come out of. Right. Yeah. And and then obviously the less said about Jared Leto's version of yes. uh, SoundCloud rapper <laughs> oh, Joker yeah. hashtag damage with the grill. Uh, yeah. Less said about that dude, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there has been this tradition of like overcommitment mm-hmm. to the role. This really um, uh, like character method acting, um, transformative performance that goes into this and you know Heath Ledger already won an Oscar for it and now we have Walking yeah. Phoenix like probably uh, on the road to at least being very much in the conversation very much in the conversation yes um so yeah I mean because we see him in this story one of the fascinating things about the Joker character in general in comics in 70 years there has never really been a definitive origin yeah there is the Red Hood stuff and there are all of these other things, but there has never truly canonically been one way. So when this was first getting cast and it was Joaquin as Arthur, Arthur Fleck, Fleck, a Fleck, a like Affleck. I mean, again, it was... Oh my God, I had never oh, realized you, that. Yeah, yeah, that was a big thing because that was Wait, during why? the whole sad Affleck oh, no. situation with Batman. and I don't like that. Yeah, it was... A, is that a coincidence? No. It, it, there is no way that it can be mainly because oh yeah Arthur Fleck <laughs> yeah is is nothing in comics right. like, that that right. is not a it's an invented yeah. name because a lot of these you know they will do a deep a cut like if they were to pull like Joe Chill which they did for sure. Nolan's Dark Knight yep. stuff like you know sure Arthur Fleck completely made up his mom Penny Fleck um I forget her name she was an American horror or is an American horror story 
Uh, Frances Conroy. Oh yeah, she's the she's the mom from uh, everything. Yeah, she's like the she, she was the creepy she, mom. Oh, she's she's yeah. always momming. Yeah, she's like, and she's just like as Frances Conroy as can be in this role. She is super Frances Conroy. Yeah. Uh, in this, she does again. She gives a great performance in this for what we kind of get to see. We with a movie like this that has so many layers. To me some of those layers were not worth peeling back. And so some of them like that we started getting as the movie progresses, some different storylines of characters. And we were like, Oh, okay. And they kind of like, you know, pull the wool over your eyes a couple different ways. I was like, okay. See, as you mentioned that we've never really gotten a definitive backstory Mm -hmm. to the Joker. I think that one of the things that's compelling for me about the way that this movie handles that is that there is um, a really important um, element to everything that we see um, that we don't know if we can believe what we're seeing. And I think that that's an important takeaway from basically everything in the movie is like Mm -hmm. psychosis and hallucination and um, being untethered from reality is essential to who this character is. Yeah. And And it's, they do, they do a unique thing with that along those, you know, mental health, lines where that laugh you know that he has throughout the- <laughs> yep, there it is uh <laughs> the laugh that he has that he kind of developed you know for this role they they do an interesting thing where they kind of give it a borderline Tourette's quote-unquote explanation but again it is something where it is like are we meant to believe that because he has these outbursts of laughter and he at one point hands somebody a card saying it is a mental condition so this is a an actual condition. Um, I'm just, I just pulled out my phone cause I'm trying to look up uh, the name cause I wrote it down in here somewhere. Mm. So I'm going to try and tread water until I find it. Yeah, but like it, it, it reminded me of, and what was interesting is before this movie, we had a trailer for motherless Brooklyn, which has oh Edward God. Norton with yeah, Tourette. Why did they show that? That, that was super, awful, that was super weird. Um, but I, I mean, maybe because it, well, same studio and it also kind of maybe ties into a theme so that laugh where we get this possible explanation. And again, with all of these things, with the Joker, everything is a quote unquote possible explanation. We get this thing where like, maybe he truly cannot control that. You yeah. know, we always assumed that Joker was this crazy sadist who also does not feel pain. He is masochistic in the way that he just constantly gets thrashed by Batman and comes back for more. He inflicts pain without really feeling anything other than possibly pleasure. So having this mental health component of this laugh was an interesting twist. But again, it just, I still do not know if I believe it. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I think all in all, I, I'm probably falling on the more positive side of this than you. Um, But I loved the fact that they were able to ground something like that in an actual condition. I wasn't able to find it. I have mm. it in my review. Right. Um, <laughs> it's, it's something like, uh, uh, it's a just dis- anyways, I'm not going to try <laughs> and put on my armchair, uh, psychologist hat right now, but, um, I like how they're able to find something like 
the Joker is a guy who laughs all the time. Like take that from like the comics and like transpose it into a real world um, scenario and like kind of find this disorder mm-hmm. where the laughter is coming from a place of anguish. Yeah. And the, the term for it, I just found it paradoxical laughter paradox okay yeah, is yeah, an yeah. exaggerated expression of humor which is unwarranted by external events it may be uncontrollable laughter which may be recognized as inappropriate by the person involved is it, it is associated with altered mental states or mental illness such as mania hypomania or schizophrenia and can have other causes and i love the fact that they they as you're seeing uh walking phoenix's arthur go through these moments where he's cackling laughing mm-hmm. and like if you just hear it you you would think like oh this is this is just maniacal. a guy having yeah having mm-hmm. a maniacal like evil villain laugh but you see his face and he's just like crushed and embarrassed and he like mm-hmm. doesn't want to share this and and as he mentioned he has this card that he'll hand out to people and be like please excuse me this is a condition yeah um and that i mean again that was interesting and you saw him you know almost fighting with himself with that like he would constantly kind of reach for his throat you know yeah. like reach for his chest because he it was it reminded me almost of like the Smeagol Gollum yeah. type of thing where oh, like yeah, yeah. that reflexive like Gollum you know yeah. like type of thing is so it's like thing. a guttural thing like emerging yeah. from your psyche and, and you know? know he was always trying to kind of keep that inside so that was an interesting component the color dynamics in this movie are great like it does I mean yes I talked about the, how kind of bleak and desolate the palette is but when it goes to those moments like there are some brilliant shots where the camera is kind of a little bit lower than joaquin and it is coming up towards him at an angle balletic like everything Mm. it it it, it, for a two hour um super villain movie (laughs) like the amount of like the percentage of this movie that's actually spoken dialogue or physical action is very low. Like there's so much of it yeah. that's just expressed through um again like uh the the physicality of the character mm-hmm. and like he does like these little like shasha dance moves or he's just like yeah, chain <laughs> smoking cigarettes and like so much of the character lives and breathes through these moments and through like the, the, the color of, of his expression. Yeah. And it definitely, it, the color play shifts and morphs just as much as his character does throughout this film. Totally. You know, when we see him, it looked like he was kind of like either expanding his, his clown shoes or like working with the leather or something. And we see him from the back. And this was in one of the early trailers. And you just see his like arms, like out of this 90 degree angle, you just hear the leather being worked and it just is, it is so it's demonic, <laughs> just bleak yeah. and weird. But then as the movie progresses and the color play starts coming in more with this talk show with these bright color, colorful, colorful curtains and all the costumes. Yeah. And we and, see him like yeah. being more comfortable in his skin and in that, you know, face essentially he has to put on my issue with this film. One of, one of my issues with this film is that it is timely and poignant for all of the wrong reasons. And that really just ethically bothered me. I talked about it on a recent review for The Goldfinch and how we get this character who is a drug-using, drug-abusing, you know, character who steals things. He murders somebody and has zero consequences and everything is fine at the end of the day. With this, we get this deep character study of a fascinating character 
But then when we start to really like peel back those layers, like I talked about earlier, the resolution is we are supposed to cheer for him. And that just, Hmm. it really bothers me. So I had a feeling that you might go this way because this does seem like a common complaint that, that some people are having with this movie where they're claiming that it's nihilistic or that it's like kind of trying to capitalize on like the internet edge Lord. Right. Um, kind of approach to mm-hmm. to to nihilism and <laughs> right. um to me i think that that one of the important takeaways is that um representation is not endorsement and true from from my perspective at least i i was not viewing this as a celebration of these kind of characters and we know that that these people exist in our society. I mean, the 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 guy who shot up the Aurora mm-hmm. movie theater, he literally took after the Joker. I mean, he dyed his hair green and like name checked the Joker as he yeah. was doing this. And so like this is a reality that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um so back to back to the point about I don't feel that it that anything in the script is in any way endorsing violence. I, I I I personally my takeaway was more that this is this is the this is a believable transformation that hmm. that that somebody who is so isolated and so rejected from society um would that like we buy it like it makes sense for this character despite it doesn't matter that his name is the joker you know this is just a dude who kind of went nuts and i think that i mean and i agree with that and i think that is where to me part of the issue is is that at the end of the day slash end of the movie we never really get this indictment or admonishment of the character we get idolization and so that again, like, and that is something that the Joker but coming character, from what from the I'm trying to think. I mean, because from again, the other like rejected people in society who like in these Batman movies are like you know normally just like kind of like these faceless henchmen, kind of like they are in this, right? Um, but at least I felt like these faceless henchmen, like they had there was like a reason for them to be following this. You know, like we've seen I mean, how many times have we seen like the faceless henchmen in, in Batman movies or whatever movies before. And no one's ever been like, Oh, I can't believe that they're endorsing um, violence. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, we've literally seen this thing a million times before this, at least like gives a reason for but it. I guess. And the, the reason for it, I mean, the whole thing and some of this in the trailers when it was like, Kill the rich, you yeah. know, down with the one percent. Like, yeah, it's 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 uh, Occupy Wall Street. Yeah, you know? very much. So. And so again, it just to me, it just I I did not like that comfortability that this film rode the line of of like, hey, here's this outsider, here's this loner, here's this thing, but in the end, look at how many people are around him and agree with him. And it was like, I just so I mean, it's provocative. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I I think that. I think that you're right in that some people could definitely take the wrong message from this movie. Um, But I don't believe that art or film or whatever should be held to the standards of um, the people in society who are going to uh, claim 
inspiration from a work of art. I mean, sure. I mean, uh, Mark David Chapman blames Catcher in the Rye for killing uh, John Lennon. Like that yeah. doesn't make J.D. Salinger a murderer. And same I, with the Matrix and Trenchcoat Mafia and sure. everything. Like, so I, I think just right now, it is one of those things. Do you remember uh, a couple years ago? The terrible movie, and I I called it tanking, and it did. Uh, the new Death Wish remake with Bruce oh, Willis. Awful. And it was something where, again, like... when That, that was, like, beginning of last year. And it feels really? like... Yeah, dude. Oh, it feels like it's a generation ago. Because, like, the whole trailer sport was like, cool, so Bruce Willis... Gun violence cool. Yeah, gun violence is cool. Yeah. And one of the things that Todd Phillips, the director of Joker... He needs to stop giving interviews. Okay, I was he just going to say, I think that, unfortunately... <laughs> All of his recent publicity mm-hmm. and his constant putting his foot in his mouth, yeah. be it from claiming that comedy is dead because of woke culture, Ugh. which is just like comedy is literally like in a renaissance right now. It's yes. just it's just like doesn't exist usually in like big studio comedies. Oh, wait, um, you mean we cannot punch down anymore? Right. What? This is ridiculous. Yeah, like, exactly. What? Um, he said that and then he made the outrageous claims about like, well, why why is violence fine in John Wick 3 and not this? And again, just yeah. a stupid whataboutism. Mm-hmm. Um, and what bothers me the most about that is that with John Wick, similar to we, what we see with Joaquin, when he is having these laughing fits, he hates it. Like, he, you can see him fighting it. John Wick in every single movie is like, I don't want to do this. Like, right. I keep getting kill. Like, I keep getting brought into these stupid things because of X, Y, and Z. And those movies are so just different in so many ways. Yeah. Joker does like to kill. I mean, and that's yeah. what the movie's about. It's about a man finding his calling. And his calling is murder. Is, is, is murder. Is murder. And again, at the end of the day, we have this, like, what it felt like to me is we were supposed to be like, oh, well, yeah. yeah. No. No. <laughs> With, again, at every John Wick movie, he was also killing other assassins. Like, sure. He, he He's not going out and, and there killing are no innocents. Wall Street guys. Yeah, not at all. And so with John Wick, in all of those, at the end of the movie, I was, I was like, okay, like that was horrendous, brutal violence, especially in this third one. He does some crazy stuff. But it was such a hyper fantasy world and this world of assassins and underground and traveling the world. It was not a very close depiction of what we have right Which now. Which this is, yes. V- very much. And yeah. so that was kind of where that just uncomfortability came totally. from for me. And I think, again, like Todd Phillips, he hasn't helped the matter. I think he needs <laughs> to just like, if he had shut up about mm-hmm. the whole thing and like, uh, let the movie run its course because like this thing has done gangbusters. It played at at the Venice Film Festival and won yeah. the Golden Lion the Golden there. Lion, which... Like that's a huge award. Yeah. For any movie, let alone mm-hmm. a, a comic book movie about the Joker. And you and I have talked about this before, and I will bring it up again. So when this story came out with the Golden Lion, eight minutes standing ovation. I th- yeah, it was like more than that. Matt and yeah. I have been to, I mean, literally countless film festivals. It's the, um, you're talking about film festival goggles, The film right? festival goggles yeah. are so real. Yeah. I mean, in the studio, I mean, I have dozens of lanyards from random film festivals. There are times when, because you're seeing it with sometimes film industry professionals, film adjacent professionals, there's a different type of lens when you see something for the first time a year or two or three years ahead of somebody else. Yeah. Come on. Like, when this movie ended... Of course, there were people clapping because at all, at very 
often in the press people and don't know screening. how press screenings work <laughs> no. like you don't have to clap like the director is not there no. todd wasn't sitting next no. to me at a film festival they are yeah clap you know? away and so when it ended and a couple of people clapped and they're like yeah you know whatever i'm like how did this get an eight minute supposed if not longer standing ovation from film industry professionals other than the technical like workings of this film are great. It looks it looks great. It is filmed well. That I love score, the color dynamics. The score. The score was good. I did not like Beefy. the soundtrack. Oh. The soundtrack was just like rating Martin Scorsese's record collection. Yeah, I, I didn't mind that. Um, See, I, I I understand the standing ovation. Like if uh, I was at a film festival, I I would have been clapping. I'm not gonna clap in public at a press screening, <laughs> but I I really liked this movie a lot, yeah. and I I went into it um, knowing that there was this uh, conversation I mean, there, about there, it. There's already. no way to avoid it. Yeah, and I think that for me personally, like my expectations had kind of gone one of two ways at various times like there were some times where i'm like oh i'm really amped to see this and other times where i was like eh, this is probably just gonna be bad huh <laughs> um and for me i mean before we get into official ratings like i i i was as impressed with this as i had hoped to be wow okay interesting uh yeah i mean those are pretty much you know all of my notes like we definitely have given this a lot of of airplay and it is something where when I had people reaching out to me after they knew that I had the, that we were at the press screening from both sides of the aisle, both sides of the fence being like, you know, I'm not sure if I want to see it. Should I go and see it? And then other people being like, I already have my tickets to see it. Yeah. Should I see it? This is honestly just one of those things where no matter what we say, this is going to be the most, one of the most talked about films people of the are, year. People are going to see this movie. Yeah. And I kind of wonder what the general response is. I feel like yeah. I already know what the response will be from the DC fanboys because they literally aren't able to have opinions. They'll just love anything. Um, but like general movie going public who aren't, you know, they don't have tattoos of hashtag Team Marvel or mm-hmm. DC. Um, because they're, this is... This is not the superhero movie that you've been, <laughs> uh, you know, raised on. No, um, this is this is a deep dive contextual. There's no drama. action. There's no action. There, I mean, there's, there are some action beats. There's action beats, but there's no, there's not, there's not like a set piece. No, and there's, there's something. I mean, there's like, not really any special effects. No, um, yeah. there's no Batman. No. Um, which one one last thing or one yeah kind of last thing tying into that sort of thing things that we never need to see in a movie again uncle ben dying and thomas and martha wayne dying but how are we gonna see the pearls spell? like i come on i didn't mind it and same with jonathan kent I granted it. we have only seen jonathan kent die three times but come on <laughs> like yeah i mean the john like look it's 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, Heath Ledger did the Joker in what 2008? Yeah, something like that. There's been three Jokers since then, <laughs> and it's like they're getting more and more often. Uh, so the next Joker is Wait, coming three. out. Jared, yeah, Jared Leto. Jared, well, Joaquin. Heath Ledger, and then oh, okay. Jared yeah. Leto, and then gotcha. and this is in less than or like a little more than ten years. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the next one's coming out soon, and we're gonna see. Bruce Wayne, uh, Thomas Wayne, and his wife die in an alley a million times until then. And like the new Robert so Pattinson 
Batman movie, which I am legitimately excited for. Yeah. I like Pattinson. You know, he is great. Just please, please, from one lonely film critic out here. Matt Reeves isn't going to do that. He's not. I I hope not. He won't. We we get it. I'd put money on it. I, I, I would take that bet and I would hate to. See, I like I like the context of it in this movie, though. This I makes like more how... sense than the... I, I will say that this one does make more sense in the framing of the movie. It versus... gives it a different origin. It... And I liked that. It does. And and I I liked the, the way of it. And they set it up interestingly. So this movie takes place in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, we see at one big point, old trash strike going on. Yeah, we see at one point the Waynes going to basically a symphony performance where same thing they do at Benaroya Hall here in Seattle. Yeah, where they have a live symphony playing while video screens are playing. I love when they classic do that. movies. So There's a cool. Looney Tunes one coming up what? that I really want to see. I saw Nosferatu. Oh, it was so rad. Good. They do that in well, they do with uh, Phantom of the Opera nice. in Spokane. They play the original in a cathedral. With a pipe organ. Ooh. Yeah. Sexy. Beautiful. So they do that in this one. And the reason they did this, and this is one of the only quote unquote deep cuts. Because again, this is not a Marvel movie. If you are looking in the background as a comic book reader like myself and looking for those things, stop. Like just do not waste your time in this movie because there are so few. The second time we see them in the theater, they're coming out of the theater and they're just playing Zorro of the Gay Blade. Oh, which is the yeah, movie yeah, yeah. that they were seeing in the yeah. 40s. Yeah. And so this is a really clever way for them to be like, oh, they actually are seeing that same movie. Yeah. With the sim- like, I will give it to Todd Phillips or whoever, whatever set designer came up with that. That was clever. So, but yeah, other than that, I'm looking in the background, looking at name tags, trying to parse some things out. Just stop. Like all to all of my deep dive comic well, just book don't, people. Don't approach this like, a comic book movie. I think that that's really the yeah. key. Like, don't look at this in because the same <laughs> way that you look at um, Shazam or yeah. or Captain Marvel or whatever. Or any, like, there's Marvel... there are not Easter eggs. There's not a mid credit scene. Well, I I don't know. I left. No. Um, but this this and I think that that's really bold for DC to be able to be like, you know what? Mm. We're going to make movies that don't have to touch a million other movies in a million different ways and I'd... spend all this <laughs> all this capital on sure. on creating these new storylines. And for me, like just make these movies. I can I can understand that. I personally I personally do not think it is boldness. I think that they just do not have a creative vision to tie in mm. other things. Mm. And in the sense of this movie is not setting up five other movies like a lot of the Marvel ones are, which is fine. But it is not boldness to not put in a couple little Easter eggs. I think just nobody cares, which is also fine. It just, I'm just putting that there as a warning. Do not waste your time, you know, really trying to look in the corners because I could think of three, you know, and Zorro of the Gay Blade is one of them and that just mm. is such an obscure one so yeah i mean if that's what if that's what people are going for then i i, I would say that this is uh not not gonna be yeah, yeah yeah this is not the movie to do that yeah so all right uh so that is the uh, joker to the official rating of the joker if this is your first time listening to the podcast like the great stan lee always said every comic book is somebody's first comic book so if this is your first time listening the rating system for the About to Review podcast, there are only three choices. No letter grades, no stars like my fellow peers have. 
Uh, there are only three choices, good, bad, or ugly. A good film is something that you would recommend. You came out of the theater excited to talk about. Bad film is not really something that jazzed you right away. Ugly, avoid at all costs. Matt, as the guest, you have pretty much already kind of said, but what is your official rating for Joker? Yeah, what if I just threw out an ugly right <laughs> that now? That would be just incredible. Totally, <laughs> yeah, gaslit you the whole time. No, for me, this is a good... Um, this is... This is the kind of superhero movie that I feel like really uh, interests me. And I, I, I get the conversations about this and mm-hmm. I understand some of the backlash. But like, I think that if you look at this movie in a vacuum, as a lot of people will do, and when they go out to see this, yeah. they won't have the context of, of what um, has been said about uh, the film from the director himself or like any of the stupid trolls or the doc sings, mm-hmm. any of that stuff. Just if you look at this movie in a vacuum um, and you analyze the performances, the the practical details, the production design, the mm-hmm. costumes, the score, the cinematography, the direction. And then also for me, the story. Um, I think that this all adds up to something quite sublime and as joker hits that final act um it really to me found its stride and i was just in it and i i I loved what it was able to become in the end and so i i I get why some people uh maybe have some ethical uh quandaries with this or that but just Mm -hmm. as a as a piece of filmmaking i really i really enjoyed it okay yeah, uh, I agree with you on the technical aspect of of this film. Joaquin does give an incredible performance, physical and just emotive performance. Absolutely, that that I cannot deny. We don't really talk much about Zazie Beetz um, in this because, again, she is one of those layers that we get a couple peelings mm-hmm. of the onion into, and then nothing. I like the Zazie Beetz. Um, I like her in everything. She she is great. It just I liked. And I cannot go into. It. I liked a wrinkle in that in that kind of storyline, but then it just gets dropped. Well, and I then... think that one one thing that's uh, important to 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 remember is that like this is all through the lens of only the one character, Arthur Fleck. Yeah. Like everyone, there there's there's basically no supporting character that adds any real meat outside of yeah. like their connection and their influence on his behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And no one's really treated to more than that. <laughs> no, not so much. Um, so yeah, so I, li- I agree with those aspects. I liked those aspects. I just, yeah, I mean, I felt uncomfortable and, and you already kind of heard why. So I, I will not give this an ugly because again, the performances, the technical ability, like it is a great looking film. It is a great, well acted film, but this is the bad for me because Oof. I just did not like the core conceit, uh, of, yeah. of the film. So I'm yeah. sorry. So, <laughs> I'm sorry for you. Uh, and we will never see this Joker again. Again, I, it, I it is know. one of the problems with DC. Yeah. This is a complete one-off. As six, even I'm at, okay never seeing this Joker again. And the way that they, again, show Thomas Martha Wayne getting killed again, th- they made a, a sneaky backdoor way of introducing something where it could... Pa- it, no, it is not going to happen. Like, this is just done. Mm-hmm. This is, in comic book terms, this would be an Elseworlds tale. That was what DC used to do 
few times a year and they would just be like, this is a, you know, Kingdom Come. Right. All of my comic book readers, Kingdom Come is my all-time favorite miniseries. It has four issues. It is an Elseworlds tale. You know, so this is what, this is what the movie is. It is a one-off. Yeah. And it will not have any tendrils anywhere else. So. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so moving right along to uh, one that Matt, another one that Matt recommended. So Matt and I, again, we have different studio connections. We talk to different people. And so sometimes, yeah, we each get different access to things. And so for the second uh, time in a row, Matt, uh, introduce I brought us. some stuff on. You did. Again. So uh, go ahead. I think ahead that and, uh... this is better than um, corporate <laughs> animals. Which I literally forgot about until I was like putting Taylor the show. And I was like, all right. We... Oh, yeah. It's a really <laughs> low bar. It's a really Man. low bar to clear. So what did you bring this time? Okay. So this time... <laughs> I brought a little number called Harpoon. Mm-hmm. Um, Harpoon is uh, a very stripped back, minimalistic, quasi horror, quasi survival dark comedy. Mm-hmm. I think that it definitely uh, it fits more cleanly, like in the midnight movie category, than it does in like um, traditional horror. Yeah, um, for sure. But there are there are definitely elements of that. It. Um, so this is directed and written by Rob Grant, stars um, Monroe Chambers, uh, Emily <laughs> Tyra, and Christopher Gray. And there's a there's a narrator from uh, narration from Brett Gelman, and that is literally it. I was gonna say when I pull up the cast on IMDb, I was like, at first when I see four people, I was like, wait, there were only three. There were only three. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and oh, then there's a narrator, good for and he gets top billing. Yeah, <laughs> which is well, awesome. I mean, he's on Stranger Things, so. Um, Monroe Chambers. Oh, that was him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Monroe Chambers is the kid from Turbo Kid. If you've seen Turbo Kid. Oh, sheesh. Um, A million years ago. Yeah. Uh, none of these other, uh, none of these other guys have really any, um, credits to their name or, or credits that anyone might, might know of. Even Turbo Kid itself is, uh, (laughs) it's kind of a deep cut. Um, but so this story is about, um, and it's literally just, Three, you no, like you don't see a convenience store clerk. Nope. Um, there's no passerbys on the street. It's literally just this trio mm-hmm. for the entire movie with a sardonic uh, narrator. Yeah. Um, and so the story kind of follows their friendship. Um, long story short, <laughs> uh, there's some suspected infidelity on the parts of multiple parties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Actually, and I mean, these, these friendships on all parties, on, uh, yeah, on the uh, on the behalf of pretty much everyone, all three of them, um, and they decide to go out on the boat of one of the characters, Richard. He's a rich dude named Rich, mm-hmm. um, and they the go nose. out, yeah, they go out on his boat um, to kind of hash things out and resolve things. And uh, as one could uh, probably figure out, it doesn't go so well. Mm-mm. Going on a boat ride with people who you suspected of uh, cheating on you is maybe not the best idea. And so begins um, this time stranded at sea where maybe they become cannibals. Mm -hmm. Which as I'm watching this, I was like, okay, Matt, this is the second movie you have brought in. I'm bringing in the cannibal (laughs) stuff. (laughs) So this isolation, cannibalistic nature of people. And I'm like, okay, um, here we go. John, little do you know that I'm just doing this so that if there is an apocalypse that strikes while we're in the midst of recording a podcast, mm-hmm. you already know that it's inevitable. That it's I know the game going plan. to turn to cannibalism. Yeah, that is fair. Uh, what I what I really liked about 
harpoon is that again when you keep it this simple mm. it can go one of two ways it can fail miserably because and fizzle out real quick because it just does not work with the chemistry or you get something like this where because it is such a small cast like you really start to believe that connective tissue between all of the characters the other thing is this is a three person cast and a i would say three set oh barely I we, mean, we have the, we there's have the apartment, the, there's the apartment, there's the top of the boat, there's out exterior boat and interior <laughs> boat. Yeah. So we have three sets. Yeah. When I said minimalist, it's yeah. like literally they could have shot this over a weekend with some yeah. friends. And I, I mean, because of my love and respect for indie filmmaking, that really drew me to this because I was like, this is what it comes down to. It is like, hey, I want to make a movie with my friends or, you know, my colleagues or whatever you want to call them and we have two locations yeah <laughs> three locations and a weekend how about we see what we can do but with that and it is more than that like it, it actually has a good budget it has some good practical yeah. effects uh-huh and the horror element or the kind of that midnight feeling element reminded me of open water okay where it was like you ha- i mean there are multiple films that have this same type of premise where you're on a boat Everything is kind of going fine, but all it takes for you to be in a real bad situation is one thing. Right. And so in, like, there was open water. Was that where they fell off the boat and could not get back in? Open water is when they're they're scuba diving oh, no, and no. then the boat oh. leaves without them. Yeah, that one was terrifying. That one's not so funny, though. Yeah, no, that one, because <laughs> that one was based off a real thing. There was another one where, and they made two of them, where yeah, somebody falls off of a, of a yacht and is treading what the boat is, I mean, literally right there, but they cannot get back on mm. the boat. That is terrifying. Oh, yeah. Like humans like to think we're at the, the top of the food oceans chain. Oceans are big. Oceans are real big. Yeah. And, and there's sharks. As soon as you enter the water, as soon as you enter the jungle, as soon as you enter the mountains, yeah, you're not at the top of the food you chain get anymore. Get humbled real quick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I What I really liked um, about this movie is I I think one of the things that you were talking about is like the simplicity of it. And yet um, the relationships are very layered um, Mm -hmm. because you have, you have the two best friends and then a girl and the girl um, has been with both of the friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the current girlfriend of one, of one of them. And that creates a lot of complications. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, that doesn't necessarily sound like a concept that could drive an entire feature, but the way that they do this, they're always kind of, um, peeling back layers and making the world feel a lot larger than just the three sets and the three people. Like Mm -hmm. there are all of these other characters introduced. Like, um, uh, Richard's father has like a big presence in the film. And this is somebody who's never even seen. We see a black and white, like somebody lighting a a cigarette, which they could have gotten that off of like stockimages.com and just get like buy a 10 second video, black and white video of a guy lighting a cigarette. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> but like I, I like how the movie is able to take these these characters that are only talked about never seen really on screen and and blow them up um to make the world feel larger yeah absolutely i mean it just it like you said it it was not name dropping characters that we never really hear about nor name dropping characters that we never get a feel for it is 
oh, what about, you know, your dad? And then we get a story. We get stories mm-hmm. kind of about this. What about this other person from your past? Then we get this layer. That was just fascinating. Yeah. And it goes until the last five minutes of the movie. Oh, yeah. Like there is still more developing as it goes in. And even at the very end of the movie, like, and the narrator has a great line, you know, right at the end. Like that, all the way from beginning to end, we're continually getting rewarded with interesting storytelling. Yeah, and and there's so many there's so many red herrings yeah. um, through this where you're and you're led to think yeah <laughs> you're led to think one thing um, and then it will subvert your expectations and go another way and I think that that's that's one of the things that's so fun about this is mm-hmm. like um, in in a lot of movies like in the first act you'll be introduced to a Chekhov's gun and then you know that by the end the the gun's going to go off it's yep. going to cause something i think that one of the fun things about this movie is like the Chekhov's gun itself is <laughs> is a guessing game and like yeah. kind of a mystery that you don't realize was the Chekhov's gun all along mm-hmm. until the end and this Baby has one of the best twist endings, like yeah. in quite a while. It's so good. I like, I like stood up and was like, "Yo, oh <laughs> damn!" Like it was good. It's really it was, good. It was, and it's it, really it was just, good. It was clever. It's really well done. Yeah, yep. I mean, and it was. I mean, hundred percent did not see that coming. No, Matt and I see three hundred films a year. Yeah, this got me. Yeah, like this and absolutely got me. And it's, not it's, just the twist what happens after the twist yeah. and everything. And I was like, all right, uh, who is, who is the writer? So it's, uh, um, cause this I, guy, like, Rob Grant, he's actually, he's made like a dozen movies and they're all super low budge things good for that him. you've never heard of. Or, um, uh, let's see. So yeah, his director credit, he has seven movies, but, um, you've probably never heard of any of them. No. I've never seen any of them, but I got to check them out. He's also the writer and like, he's really crafty. And like yeah. for again, working with a trio of actors with not necessarily a ton of experience under their belt, like some of the, all of the acting is solid. It's mm-hmm. not like, Oh my God, like these guys it should be in everything. I think, uh, Monroe chambers, he's, he's pretty special. I think he's great, especially yeah. as things start to go more and more wrong. And, um, you know, the, the, the temptation of cannibalism quickens. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really good, but, but just the way that, 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 um, Grant is able to write these characters and this story and and keep us constantly interested and constantly kind of flipping the script on us. I think I just think it's like a really smart and fun um, little slice of, of dark comedy. Yeah, because you take that desert island scenario and you're like, what would people do? How long would they last? Would people go crazy? Would X, Y, and Z? And it knows those tropes already. And leans into them. It's like we talked about with corporate animals last time. It was not dark enough for dark comedy. Yeah. It was not comedic enough for a comedy. No. This when it goes dark, like it, it goes real dark, mm-hmm. and it like it, you know, goes into that. No one is spared. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, like the funny moments work. It pivots really well. Mm-hmm. It, it can go from um, like having a, a really good comedic beat. Um, to to going back to to being uh, kind of sitting with these characters as they're like making these confessions, and all the while um, the tension is like constantly ratcheting up. Yeah. Um, 
and the ability to do that to 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 make uh, to have room for comedy and, and give give breath uh, to to laugh, but also s- remain like in these really tense situations. I think that that yeah, it's really well done. Yeah, that was impressive. Uh, cool. So yeah, definitely. I mean, look this one up. I mean, it might be streaming. So uh, it's it's hitting um, select theaters this Friday. Okay, which is uh, the whatever fifth or something. Fourth, yeah. fourth, mm-hmm. uh, the fourth, and then I think. Next Tuesday, it's coming to VOD. Okay. And some other streaming things. So nice. you can definitely check this out at home. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is seeing it on a big screen would have been interesting for yeah. some of it, but this nothing will be lost watching this at home. I feel like this would have been awesome at a festival. Like oh. this is this is a movie you watch at South by Southwest with a room full of people yep. who are hooting and hollering and having a good time. And yeah, it would have yeah, really this worked w- well. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, so my official rating for Harpoon, uh, directed and written by Rob Grant, is, is a good. Like, this one was solid. Like, I, I just really enjoyed it. The guy who you mentioned, uh, Monroe, uh, Monroe, Chambers. Monroe Chambers, he looks like Ryder Strong from Boy Meets World. Oh, he totally and so, does. like, when I first started seeing him, I was like, this looks like 25 years ago uh, <laughs> yeah. with Sean. Sean. Um, yeah, he's got the same flippy hair. Same flippy hair, yeah. same face. So that that took a little bit of getting used to. But uh, yeah, this this was I had a lot of fun with this. Yeah, um, I will uh, I will go the same direction. This is also a a good from me. It's just there's there's not necessarily um, a ton of of depth. You know, this is not a movie that you're gonna be you know, writing into your Oscar ballots at the end of the year. But, but just in terms of like a movie, that's just fun to watch and like smarter than it should be way smarter Um, than it should be. And honestly, like angered by performances that are better than they really have any right to be like, Mm -hmm. this is, this is a great calling card for Rob Grant. And I hope that it gets him um, some more attention so that he's able to make uh, movies on a bigger scale. Yeah, I would love to see what he could do with, with, five million dollars yeah I, I i didn't see anything about the reported budget in this but you have to imagine like it's it's pennies right like yeah. and by pennies i mean you know less than half a million dollars yeah, or say. something but like yeah if yeah i feel like um if if you handed him kind of the keys to the castle like gave him netflix money give him or a blumhouse yeah script. Like, i feel like he could he could really uh he could make some waves so yeah yeah this cool. is uh very enjoyable nice uh, so two goods for Harpoon. Uh, next. Oh, I was like, nope, not yesterday and not Monami. Next is Mona First Me. Love, uh, which is Takashi Miike. Miike's uh, latest film of his nearly 100. 100, dude. <laughs> like, he's not even 60. No. And he's directed 100 <laughs> movies. Takeshi Miike is one of the more fascinating creators not even necessarily directors creators alive today so i mean he came from just the grindhouse action movies in japan in the 80s and has since gone on to just be this very interesting just auteur filmmaker he is like in one sense he's an auteur but he's also like an everything man you know like he's directed things that are so disparate um both in terms of like tone and directorial style and like basically everything i mean he he's he's made you know itchy the killer and ninja kids like like (laughs) almost like a robert rodriguez 
Where like when you go from sure, I'd 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 say he's more talented than Robert well, yeah. Rodriguez. But I'm saying like but... that that shift. Yeah. Whereas like he can do things like El Mariachi, Desperado, and then did three Spy Kids movies, right. and then go back to his kind of grind roots with Takeshi Miike. So a lot of people, you know, you might not know his entire filmography, which is fine. But things like Audition, yep. Ichi the Killer. I mean, these films that have this visceral, bloody, sexualized, hyper-violent world is his wheelhouse. Totally. And, like, he's done he's done a number of, like, samurai-inspired, like, epics as well. Yeah, things he did Blade like of the Immortal a couple Blade years ago. Blade of the Immortal. Which, oh, um, I loved what was it? Thir- 13 warriors or, mm-hmm. um, and despite when he's playing, like even in these genres, there's always, you can always tell that something is a Takashi Miike. Oh, yeah. Like, like blade of the immortal. Like if that were in the hands of somebody else, it just wouldn't feel the same. And you wouldn't have mm-hmm. like these outrageous characters. I think that that's one of the things that he's also, um, well known for is like these just absolutely outrageous characters. Yeah. Um, and you definitely get a lot of those here in we, first love. What a, so with first love, uh, the, the, shallow synopsis is basically the plot is true romance and except Yakuza. Oh yeah. Pretty much. Right. Basically yeah. two people from different sides of things, end up you know together and they're on the run from the yakuza and others for a night not even 24 hours like just pretty much like 15 hours and they fall in love so they do form a relationship which if you go through the same things these two young people go through in the span of 15 hours of somebody you're going to develop at least a friendship, if not a bond. It's a lot. <laughs> that it's is a lot. Crazy. And so, like, going back to those those characters. So, I mean, we have our, I guess, protagonist, for lack of a better term. Like, he is this young, up-and-coming boxer who gets some very dramatic uh, medical news, a medical diagnosis. Yeah, that You're going to die, like, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, turns his world <laughs> upside down. Like, yep. crazy tumor attached to his spine. And he just kind of starts spiraling. And then we also get this other character. Monica the prostitute. Monica or Yuri. And she is kind of on the more connected to like the Yakuza side, but tangentially through three different people. She's working for the Yakuza as a prostitute because her dad was addicted to heroin and he 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 ran, ran, up, ran a up a debt. debt. Mm-hmm. And so she had to sleep off his debt. Yeah. Meanwhile, becoming addicted to heroin herself. Yep. Oh, this movie. Pretty much. <laughs> and the other thing that, again, is a very Takeshi Miike thing. Um, and I actually put this up the other, not the other day, earlier. Uh, the genres for this film. Oh, it's just all of them. <laughs> it's just, it's just I mean, all all genres. Uh, except for maybe like teen. I mean, and even that, like it is really close to that too. Because, I mean, you get these maybe like 20s, you know, people in their 20s characters. But uh, this was the... So right under the, the screening link, uh, it says adventure, drama, thriller, romance, fantasy, sci-fi, <laughs> horror, action. <laughs> it just and keeps going. Not even joking. It hits all of yeah, those. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Like there is not one of those that is in there superfluously. Like There is a ghost who wears whitey tighties <laughs> and is under just like a white sheet a mm-hmm. la like the movie A Ghost Story. Yeah. And we see that. Who dances. We see that character change and, and evolve and differentiate. We talked earlier in other films about layers, both with Joker, with Harpoon. 
this is one where we get introduced to new people every 10 minutes. Yeah. And we, the difference with being introduced to them and not getting to know a lot about them in this film, you do not have time to get to know them. Like it is such a frenetic pace through this film where it's like, here's this person. We mentioned, mentioned them a little bit ago. Here's more about them and go. And that's, you just, you have to be along for that ride. Yeah. And like all of the, all of the supporting characters are like, they're, they're fairly shallowly written. There's not Mm -hmm. a lot of depth to them, but like they all have a lot of character to them. Yeah. And they have a lot going on. (laughs) Yeah. And like you, there's, there's one point early in the film where they allude to this, uh, this one armed man and they say, Oh, well next time you should take off his head. And then in the third act, you know, this one armed guy shows up with a pump shotgun that he cocks with one arm. (laughs) And like, I, I just love how, there are all of these characters kind of drifting in and out and it's a lot it's it's easy to kind of lose track of who's who and, yeah um but like you get like the 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 triad um female chinese uh top assassin something yeah. and like she's empathetic and like everyone basically has like one little character trait but that's enough to kind of drive yeah. this thing along and that again takes a hell of a writer to be able to put that together, to be like, okay, here's this mad ensemble of people that we're only going to, you are only going to see this character in two minute snippets four times throughout the movie. And they might not even have any dialogue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that is true as well. Yeah. And so like, we get this madcap adventure of less than 24 hours with these kind of star-crossed, you know, uh, protagonists, each going through their own stuff. I mean, she is so addicted to heroin and there are multiple times where she is around it you see that want that pull that need for heroin (laughs) and then we see him going through like hey i am set like i just got news where i might die today yeah like whatever i'm doing today like i just need to go for it and then we have these other characters where we get like the lower henchmen yakuza guys who have their own plots and schemes which tie into a cop who might be corrupt or not and then it ties into the tribe and then it ties into this like there are so many characters so many layers There's a lot going on a lot going on and you and so like i said before you have to be along for that ride but it pays off like it it works it, it is not something that becomes so muddy and different when we do this climactic third act action set piece which again is what he has been known for for 30 years a lot of hacking a lot of hacking which Leading up to that third act, I was like, this is the least brutal Takeshi Miike film I have seen in a long time. Yeah, it gets there. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> then it gets there. And there is a character who, through various circumstances, has a lot of damage done to his body, but kind of does not realize it. Because he's rubbing uh, heroin into his wounds? <laughs> yes! Like, that was, it was so pretty good. incredible. That was like Looney Tunes. And I just I oh, yeah. love how bonkers... Um, <laughs> Mike allows things to be and and one of the things that I'd written about in my review is that this does not feel like a movie that a guy who's like 60 years old would make no. and similar to how Martin Scorsese when he directed the Wolf of Wall Street like with such uh verve and energy yeah. like this is a movie that's just like it's pulse pounding in in just the approach to it and like mm-hmm. this doesn't feel like a, a a baby boomer making a movie and yet like 
It is. And I, I think just because when you look at his track record with that, like his skills are so wide and varied that we're going to still be seeing creative output from him yeah, in different areas time. for a, a long time. And I love also how like he takes all of these different elements and like incorporates them in. I mean, in, in the, the, the fight scenes alone, I mean, there's shoot offs, mm-hmm. um, there's machete f- going around, yep. samurai swords, baseball bats, golf clubs, crowbar, crowbars, <laughs> like pretty much everything that you see becomes a weapon at some point. And then in terms of like some of the action set pieces, like there, there are parts where the, the reality gets uh, super heightened. Like yeah. one of the scenes in the beginning, uh, a guy gets his head cut off by a samurai sword and it rolls through the street and sits there blinking still mm-hmm. after it's been severed from the body. And then um, there's, there's a, a part later in the movie where it goes like full, like, neon 80s animation style which that alone so i mean this is late in the third act oh yeah we get this two minute you know maybe like 90 second technicolor animation it was like i do not know what is happening i was but i am on board i was thinking like is that just because they didn't have the budget to do what they did there? Oh, 100%. That, yeah, that was... 100%. Yeah, but I love how they, they're like, oh, sorry, sorry, Takashi, we, we we can't shoot this scene. You're going to have to rewrite this. And he's like, no. Yeah. We animated. I, I got this. Yeah. I got this. It was rad. No, that was, that was genius. Uh, yeah, and again, this is something where we could talk about it for a, a while, but there, you just have to see this. This yeah. is something where... There's so much going on, so many characters, so many layers. Yeah, you just got to see it. So, yeah, absolutely. First Love, uh, directed and uh, not written, but uh, written by Masa Nakamura, uh, but directed by Takashi Miike, written by Masa Nakamura. Uh, yeah, it gets a good for me. Like, this was just fun. And it, uh, some of Takashi Miike's films are not fun. Audition yeah. is not a fun movie. It is a very, very hard movie to watch. Each of the Killer is very hard to watch. This is fun. Like this is, this is his same bloody ultra violent style in the third act, especially, but this was fun. Yeah. I think you're right on the money. Um, in terms of this probably being one of his most just like easily watchable movies, like from the madcap characters to the ultra violence, um, to the clever, uh, uh, way that, that they're able to incorporate all of these different crime and caper elements into mm-hmm. it. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a fun movie um, that pays a lot of dividends as it goes through. So this is yep. definitely a good for me as well. There's a couple, there's a couple things about it that I'm not like incredibly married to. I think that um, sometimes the dialogue for me was so exposition heavy and like yeah. totally like, like characters would just like state, their motivations or they'd say like exactly like there, there's not a lot of subtlety. I wonder if like, maybe that's a result of, of translation um, there. But that being said, there are some, some poetic um, moments as well. Like mm-hmm. uh, a lot of yelling. Yeah. A lot of a yelling. Lot of just shouting. There was one, um, I'm probably going to misquote this, but there was one, uh, one line where one of the Yakuza bosses, he says like um, a gangster, 
uh, or a wicked man shouldn't see the morning light or, or doesn't like the morning light or something like that. And Mm -hmm. like, so there are like these like moments of, of, uh, poetry and like reflection in it. But, but by, by and large, I thought that, yeah, some of the dialogue was a little lacking, but taking that, uh, even taking that into consideration, this is just like, it's 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 a blast. Yep. This is the movie. Um, it kind of reminds me of like like a free fire, especially in the third act, mm. um, the Ben the Ben Wheatley movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but like just so much more enjoyable and like yep. yeah, this is it's just the way that it, it folds in all these genres. As we mentioned, you know, there's a there's a there's ghost. a heist, there's, there's a, a drug deal, yeah, there's a ghost. <laughs> there's, there's so many things, and it all it all works, and it all it all fits together in like this hyper um, heightened sense of of reality that he creates. There's even a, a payoff at the very end of a character that gets mentioned mm-hmm. very early on that we ne- again like we never have any context whatsoever flash forward almost two hours later and we get the payoff. Right. We're like, Oh, and we, it does not stay there very long. It does not really go into it, but we like, it happens that again, that was something that easily did not need to be there. But I, I really appreciate that. It was like, good payoff. Here you go. Well, I, I feel like, yeah, with this movie, like it goes on like, probably like 10 minutes after like the American equivalent of this would a hundred percent. Um, it would but have, I like that. I like if it, if it were the eighties, it would have ended with the animation yes. sequence. Yeah. Right. Like, like right <laughs> after that. Yep. yep. So cool. Uh, so that was first love getting two goods from Matt and I. So to I'm recap, handing out all goods. Today, I know. To, know to recap, Matt gave Joker a good harpoon, a good and first love a good. I gave Joker a bad, Harpoona good and first love a good. So definitely some solid recommendations. Again, everybody is going to see Joker. Uh, just <laughs> as they should. It's kind of what what it is going to be. Harpoon and first love. Try and seek them out. Um, I will tag them in the show notes and on social media. So just follow those posts and yeah, try and follow those there. Uh, the other thing we're going to talk about because it is October second. Oh baby, Matt's favorite time of the year. Yes, it is. <laughs> Uh, so one of the things that Matt does, other than see movies all the time. Oh, I, I, I don't know if you've seen my Instagram story, but I've I already fully decked out, uh, my house and my yard in Halloween decorations and stuff. So I Fantastic. have like, yeah, I did that, uh, the 30th so that, you know, when the clock struck midnight, mm-hmm. it would you be were ready. decorated. It was yeah. game time. And we've already carved our pumpkins. Of course. Too, so. uh, those pumpkins look amazing, by Dude. the way. Yeah, I know. We're pretty skilled. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the thing that I want to talk about as far as Halloween things is a lot of people are doing like a challenge this month where they're watching one horror movie a day, which is really awesome. The other thing that we have on the Northwest in particular are an insane amount of haunted houses. Yeah, baby. And so Matt and his wife, Morgan, this is something they both love to do every year. They have traveled multiple places to see these. And so Matt is going to give a couple of recommendations for some local haunted houses if you are in the Seattle area. Because, I mean, yes, there are haunted houses everywhere, but we just we seem to have an abundance of them here. We we really do. I mean, last year uh, we hit our record where we went to 15 haunted houses throughout the month. Wait, um, how many? 15. Um, <laughs> but some of these, uh, there's some places that have multiple house, multiple haunts at okay. a location. Um, do you count that as one? No, you got to count okay. them as, as how many there are. Yeah, so okay. uh, one of the first ones I'll talk about is Wild Waves and the Fright Fest that they put on. Oh, okay. So if you've never <laughs> like, heard of this. So turn off um, all the lights and they throw you down a slide. 
Basically. Yeah. Oh. No, so what they do is they run all of the roller coasters and the and the other things in the dark. Okay. Um, which is awesome. But they also do three haunted houses on location and they're each totally separate. Interesting. Um, one is like a traditional haunt, the other is a 3D uh clown haunt, which I'm sure will be especially popular on right. the heels of the jokes. Mm-hmm. Um and, and then it. another one is like uh like a, a, a walk through the woods, uh, kind of Jason Voorhees, Friday like the 13th Traditional feel. corn maze? Not a corn maze, but it's more like that outdoor feel. Okay. It's not like in a Camp in a Crystal Lake house. type situation. Yeah, so that, that's one that we look forward to every year, and I go every year. Um, I would definitely recommend uh, for people who are checking that out to do – they have like a VIP – uh, fast pass kind of deal because hmm, okay. the lines really stack up. Like we've gone once and and did not do that. Like closer to Halloween when it gets really popular oh, and like foolish. you wait in line for two to three hours for one of the haunts. Now, how long is that haunt? Um, at wild. So one of the great things about all of them is every single year they're completely starting from scratch. Okay. Um, and that often means um, literally breaking down everything in it, not only like redoing the decorations, but like the paths that you'll walk through because otherwise it would just be, yeah. you know, changing the window dressings and it's not that exciting. Um, but at Wild Waves, I'd say for the most part at most haunts, they usually last around 10 minutes. Um, okay. If I'm I'm kind of a slow walker, I like to to go through and admire the details. I like to put myself in a position where I can be kind of spooked and caught mm-hmm. off guard. Um, so, you know, if if you're just like have your head down and you're rushing through it, I'm sure you could get out in a couple minutes. But <laughs> right. um, so Wild Waves is a ton of fun because you get to do kind of this hybrid experience of hmm. where you're doing, uh, you're doing the rides as well as um going through. S- uh, their haunted house, like the main attraction there, I think it's called the Chamber of Souls. Um, that year after year after year is in the top three. It's so wow. good. It's okay. like re- they go all out. Like you think Wild Waves, you maybe think kids running around. No, dude, this is some some effed up hmm. stuff. Like okay. like they it's it's one of the the gnarliest um in, in the entire area. So it's really, really good. I would highly, highly recommend that. Um, another that is super easy, um, just and probably the most centrally located of them all, and also year after year, one of the top contenders for the best um, is the Georgetown Morgue. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's put on by, uh, I think, Cube. Um, but Cube the radio station? Yeah. Okay, um, sure. <laughs> just random fun fact. Uh, but that is is actually takes place in the, the building um, where the old Georgetown morgue was. Mm-hmm. So it's already kind of haunted and creepy. <laughs> and they go... All out. I mean, from from their animatronics to the sets hmm. um, to to just every detail. I mean, they always in the line because the line will get pretty long because it is uh, it's an easy one to get to. Yeah. Um, right in Soto. S- yep. Mm-hmm. And so you get a you get a lot of traffic there, especially as it gets closer to Halloween. So you'll be in line for you know an hour plus, depending Sheesh. on when you're there. Um, but they have they'll always have like characters out in the lines. Okay. Um, the interior of their houses, though, are awesome. Like, they, I think, in terms of just 
production design and like resources allocated to making these houses like sparkle and pop like they consistently are like the best in the business so okay that is definitely one to check out especially if you're just like kind of dabbling your foot in and you just want to do one like year after year that's going to be one of the best if not the best um now are any of the like i mentioned it before because i thought it was one of them but i guess not what about like traditional corn maze style ones yeah there's a lot of those um i tend to not love those quite as much you have things like um stalker farms is pretty popular i think that's out in like the snohomish area Um, (laughs) there's uh the beaver lake one out in sammamish i i like them um they're just typically not my favorite because of the way that like the corn mazes themselves are set up you just don't have as much of an opportunity to really like put out a bunch of like cool props and like okay there's there's typically not a lot of um like good jump scares in them as well because like you can kind of see where people might be um and that's one of the things i love most is like a good jump scare in these like when you go down the hallway um and this is always one of my favorites like when there's just like a bunch of of mannequins um Mm -mm. and they're all like in a sheet or something like that and you know that at least one of them is a real person and they're gonna get you and just like that anticipation of like going through that so i love um in like more traditional like interior houses how they have things like that um there's also like a lot of houses these days are doing um uh motorized elements like like spinning hallways or like infinite hallway kind of things um you get you're getting more and more like big animatronic creatures and characters as well that's always super fun uh you you can do like blackout rooms Um, no hard pass yeah those are (laughs) i like those a lot there's uh there's some that have like these inflatables that come out and like you have to basically squeeze through like a maze of inflatables like just like kind of feeling your way through Mm -hmm. um i love that as well so see i just those are all super fun (laughs) this, this is one of those things where i like horror movies I like the genre. I support the genre. I have several friends who are filmmakers in the genre. That that passion, that love for all things horror is something that is just not quite there for me. Just try it once. Go to one. Check it out. I would maybe we could go maybe, to the Georgetown more. Maybe we can go together yeah. and do something like that because I would do it just yeah, some of those that just I see. There's some <laughs> that are like too extreme. Like I, yeah. I don't know if I've told you about like uh, some the, of the the thing you did over in Europe. Oh no, that was the awesome. puzzle room. Yeah, no, nope. that was uh-uh. a, there, that was an uh, uh, an interactive escape room with live actors. That was like the best thing ever. Only in Greece, um, but no, we went to this one. Um, it was like a haunted house type thing in tacoma of course it was in tacoma um where it was Tacoma's like scary enough as it is so normally there's like there's the procedure is like there's no touching right they're yes. not going to touch it or if they do yep. like they're just, just a light like touch well, like, like touching hey. the shoulder yeah, exactly the they're not grabbing you we did this one that was like full interactive where nope. you had to like sign a waiver no, and like somebody's getting fingerprinted well, and like fingerprinted. oh dude we got what? we got locked in um coffins and then Wait. buried underground uh, okay got 
tasered, uh, waterboarded. It sounds like you just this got was arrested. Not, this was not very fun. <laughs> like, I no, this yeah. sounds like you legitimately just got arrested. You got fingerprinted. Was tasered. not a big fan of that one. Yeah. But a couple other, if you're willing to get outside of the city, um, like there are some really fun ones like out in the sticks. And like for me, like just like the drive out is like always fun. Like this time of year, it's all it gets in the dark. Yeah. Um, so there's one in there's one in Buckley um, called Fright Factory, which is maybe my very, very favorite. Wow. Um, that's like it's like a full hour outside of Seattle, but it's always worth it. Um, there's mm. always like a long line. Um but they they just do a really really good job of of kind of combining all these different elements that I'd already talked about and then like doing a really good job with like the live actor experience and like um one of the things that I always love is is when uh like one of the actors will be like hey what's your name and like you tell them and then they like pass it along to other people so they'll Mm-mm. anticipate you coming and be like hey john nope we're waiting for you john <laughs> like hard pass things like that yeah that's really fun i mean again i i appreciate the design yeah absolutely like I, I think that is a really cool element because again it makes it more immersive but oof, yikes yeah i don't i don't know about that one <laughs> so there's one more that I, I i feel like must be mentioned um because we're on a movie podcast mm. um it's it's called i think it's cinema of horrors and it's in um i think it's monroe okay uh or something like that uh, you might have to uh correct me in in post on that but it's it's basically down like an hour outside of an hour north of Portland. Um, and I went there last year with my, uh, with my wife, Morgan and my buddy Mario. And, um, what it is, it's an old movie theater that they've converted into a haunted house. Oh, Um, that that is cool. Yeah. So, a lot of creepy places and old movie theaters. Yeah, and like the way, like I was thinking like, Oh, you know, they just have like screening room or like uh, theater rooms. Mm -hmm. Like, just a big open space but no they like kind of like quarantined like the whole thing off and made like pathways um so that one's pretty far for just like a that one casual is in kelso Washington. kelso okay i knew it was something like that yeah kelso um, is deep yeah it's not close but if you're like going to portland for the weekend or something um and you're a big horror movie buff there's nothing like being in an actual movie theater um and experiencing a haunted house that's <laughs> like even their Do website you hear some haunted sounds <laughs> okay nope okay there we go so uh yeah there's there's tons tons more um but yeah if 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 you're a listener and this is not something that you've done before and it sounds intriguing i would definitely encourage you to check out one see what it's like Mm -hmm. you don't have to do uh 15 like a crazy person now do you i forget what you do blog about these individually do you write about them or just no i just okay. do it for fun um nice. but definitely like so reach out to matt on social media for recommendations yeah. to kind of like yeah if you're looking for any i know i've been to basically all of them in the I, pacific northwest yeah, sounds so. like it yeah fantastic uh speaking of where they can find you and when they should reach out because yeah all of those they sound interesting i probably would only do a couple of them like Again, if somebody touches me in the dark, they're going to get punched. Like it just—that's <laughs> not good. Yeah, they so. like they like say like in the in the little instructions and waivers like if you assault our our actors like we will sue you. So don't punch. Yeah, no. don't punch. Yeah, no. Good luck with that. Uh, but yeah, so thank you for that uh, little uh, thing about so about some local 
haunted houses. And yeah, where can people follow you on social media? Where can they get all of your movie reviews? Yeah, uh, silverscreenriot.com. Um, follow me on Facebook, also Silver Screen Riot. I'm on the Instagram, although I can never really seem to accumulate any followers on Instagram. Yeah, I, don't know, yeah. I don't know what it is. I can't crack into the market on the Instagram. Yeah. Um, I have a Twitter as well, but Twitter Twitter's facebook's my preferred one but yeah okay. come and follow all along and let's talk about uh let's talk about haunted houses and and movies and stuff sounds like a plan all right uh yeah and as for this podcast uh thank you so much for listening uh this podcast can be found on all of your podcast apps and platforms you can also stream the episodes directly from the website about treeview.com uh, like i said if you want to support the show and get something off of the amazon wish list which is on every episode description or give a dollar via PayPal. You can do that as well. That would be amazing. Uh, and yeah, on all the social media, it is at about to review Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and about to review uh, youtube.com slash about to review. So that wraps it up for this week's episode next week. I'm not sure. We literally just got out of a screening. Oh, was that next week? Yeah. Okay. So, cause we just got out of a screening today that we apparently cannot talk about for another couple of weeks, which is lame. We can't even say the name of it. Uh, no, because this is blank going... is its name. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, so that will be on an upcoming episode, but for next week, yeah, I'm not quite sure what will be on there, but uh, yeah, definitely just subscribe, rate, and review, and you can catch all of the reviews. So thank you, Matt, for coming down to be on this episode. My pleasure. And. For this week's episode, thank you again for listening. I have been your host, that guy named John, and we will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.